0: Cheryl Charming has had four decades to hone her skills as bartender and historian. Her willingness to persist in the search for accuracy and a good story are legend, and she is on tip of the tongue. tip of the tongue a podcast on the nitty grits network where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums this is liz williams we're here today with cheryl charming she is an author she is a great cocktail historian and she has over 40 years of experience tending bar welcome cheryl thank you liz I'm really excited to have you here today. I know that you've been really busy recently, and of course you have this new book, The Cocktail Companion, Mm -hmm. which we also have to talk about. But before we talk about this book, I want to talk about some of your recent discoveries because those are so exciting. Oh, well, I'm glad you
1: think so because I think so too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's nice to um, hear someone else excited about it. The discoveries are local, and I've been in uh, living in New Orleans for for ten years now. Okay, and uh, since I've been here, I started researching historical uh, cocktail related people sense, And I'll start with the most recent one I found, but okay. it took me nine years. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that's,
0: that's quite a journey.
1: <laughs> nine years, a lot of time on Ancestry.com. Uh, we're very fortunate to have Facebook and, and other social media where you can look people up and find great grandchildren and things like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Walter Bergeron, who invented the Voob Carey cocktail. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say 1938 at the Hotel uh, Monteleone, right. but Chris McMillan has a 1934 Hotel Montleon menu that he shared with me. So we don't really know the exact year, but we do know there was a menu in
0: 1934 with, with, the, with, with the, boo, yeah, the, boo, the on offer. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I think it was 30 cents. Uh. <laughs> 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 well, so for
0: those people who
1: don't know, tell us what a vieux carre is. And to be honest with you, I don't know the the all the exact, <laughs> it, but it has it has rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. It has two types of bitters, angostura and Peychaud's. It's kind of a play on a sazerac in that it has instead, but instead of the absinthe, it uses um, Benedictine. Mm. Okay for its um oh and it has the sweet vermouth in it. I I I'm embarrassed I don't know the whole recipe. I have to be, the last bar we worked uh, I worked at was the Bourbon O bar on on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. It has like about 6 steps to it, right? But it is on the rocks, so it's a little bit easier than having to stir and mm-hmm. um you don't have and, to uh uh Coat the
0: glass or
1: anything like that the way you do with the sazerac, correct? Mm -hmm. And we actually, so every bartender was it tasted consistent. We Mm -hmm. batched it by the gallon, ah, the Cray. yeah. So that way we knew every single one of them tasted the same. Uh huh. And um, so. Yeah, we would have the recipe. So I'm used to seeing a great big batch gallon because <laughs> we would keep like three gallons of it. And uh, because on Bourbon Street, I was trying to do a fresh cocktail bar. The very first one started in 2013. And we still had our my bartenders on a Friday, Saturday night. They're making... Sazeracs, and, of course, we have Carey's, but mm-hmm. they're also doing Jaeger bombs and vodka Red Bulls because we're, <laughs> <laughs> because we're on bourbon, and right. I'm like, I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, we're going to, you know. Yeah, you do whatever
0: people ask for, exactly. And so
1: the whole batching thing ended up, but we, we sold a lot, and if they were busy, that was the bartender's very favorite um, drink to push because it was already batched in one bottle.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was easy to just put them out. Over yes. the
1: rocks, give yes. it a lemon twist, and that's
0: easy. Um, and it's the drink that I suggest to people who really don't like the licorice flavor mm. of absinthe or herb saint or whatever. Mm. And they want a New Orleans drink. And I say, well, this is the one.
1: It is, and it's boozy, man. Yeah, it Ooh, is. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. They're like no mixers whatsoever, you know. It's, it's a boozy one.
0: Well, and I'm I'm really excited that you uh, that you found some so photographs and other information.
1: Yes, yeah, so this just happened like in the last I think 3 weeks or I I don't know 2020 the 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 book that you're talking about. I took a gamble and I looked over the addresses I got from the internet and I'm like I bet this is where he lives. I bet this is it. I nailed it down to Mandeville, mm-hmm. so I took the book, I autographed it, i dog eared the page that i I actually did research on Walter that no one's ever done before. uh-huh and um, oh a little um a little get off the side trail on this the most fascinating thing was that i found out that walter was born when he was born both his parents were 13 years old oh my
0: goodness i know it
1: <laughs> and he was the only child from that relationship but they were both 13 when he was born but anyway i i autographed it i left a little note little christmas card and i said i just want to let you know i i i'm I'm, I'm hoping this is your grandfather. And I I wrote this about him in here. And then I put my telephone number, my email address, my mailing address, just hoping. And about January the 3rd, I think it was, I got a phone call. Oh, that must have been exciting. And it was the grandson And he goes, I got your book. And he was like all jolly and all very uh, gregarious and very, you know. And he goes, I want to meet you, and I've got pictures to show you. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And he's like, he's almost 70. Mm -hmm. And I tried once back in 2014. I actually got to speak to his son. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. He was 84. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Katrina tore up his house, and he relocated to Slidell. Mm -hmm. And I've talked to him twice.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, some of my conversation that I had with him, him remembering visiting his father, Mm -hmm. Walter, at the hotel... When he was like 10 years old and he gave me a little story that's in the book. Oh, and, wow. Oh, my goodness. I know. Yeah. I'm just like sitting there listening with the paper and pen trying uh-huh. to write everything down. But he had no photos. And that's why I just kept searching for a photo. Everyone wants to see a photo.
0: Well, it just makes it real in a different way than yeah. just knowing about it abstractly. Yes.
1: Um, so I'm waiting and I want to get, he wants to get together. So I'm just waiting. And what I'm going to do. Do is um I'm opening up my phone right here and I, I haven't showed it to you, have oh, I? Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm just gonna show you the the one photo that he found. And I'm guessing this photo of Walter. Uh-huh. I mean, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I was, so it had but look at that hat. Oh so that goodness. hat is like
0: Is that a derby?
1: So he yeah. worked for the hotel a and couple, he has a
0: bow tie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Walter worked for the hotel for a couple of years um, before Prohibition started mm-hmm. and then went back afterwards. So this must be before, um, you know, this probably, I haven't got an exact year, but his grandson's gonna get back with me.
0: Well, and if you have uh, seen a 1934 bar menu <sighs> yes. from the,
1: then obviously that's post Prohibition. Right. So, yeah. So that one's exciting. Yeah, um, is exciting. The first exciting one I found was Joseph Santini. So we're talking about what we do know about Joseph is his... It, he his, invented the crusta. The brandy crusta. Yes. Which is supposed to be the very first cocktail made with lemon juice. That's what they say. And... And what we do know it's is that... It's kind of the precursor of the of sidecar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Precursor, sidecar, lemon drop, mm-hmm. you know, all of mm-hmm. that. Um, but what we do know that's pretty fascinating is, as far as we know, the very first American cocktail recipe book is by Jerry Thomas, right. Professor Jerry Thomas. And that recipe is in there with Santini's name, misspelled, Well, but yeah standardization mm-hmm. was not there yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we do know that Jerry Thomas was probably in traveling through New Orleans in the 1850s mm-hmm. for that to come out in the book that was published 1862 so that's that's a really great documented but no one ever had a photograph of him So that one took a while. How did
0: you do that? How did you find Santini's photograph?
1: The first thing I always do, I go and I pay for a year's subscription to ancestry.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: that's your secret tool. That, uh-huh.
1: That's everybody has yes, as long as yeah. you want to pay for that and then newspapers.com if you want to pay for a year for that and then I just heavily research in that year trying to get my money's worth. Right. <laughs> right. So I had started family trees for Walter and so and I did for Santini and I did for Ramos and mm-hmm. um um, and, you know, you start talking with people, and you try to connect, and uh, it's the same way I did with Walter, I found, I almost had a picture of Walter once from this lady, who says, my Aunt Pumpkin, I know she has a photo of him, and I was going to make the trek, and she lived in Thibodeau, and I rented a car, and then I found out she died, and I went, oh, and oh that put an end to yeah. me, finding a, a photograph of Walter, but I kept up, I kept doing it, but I found the great, great, I think it's three greats, great-granddaughter of Joseph Santini, Oh, and so I was talking to Chris McMillan at his bar Revel one day, and I had been researching Santini for a while back in 2012. Uh, during Tales of the Cocktail, I was part of putting together this Honoring the Dead little bus trip that. Mm-hmm. We could only fit 25 people on the bus. And we went to Ramos's grave and drank a Ramos gin fizz. Okay. Not in plastic. We did everything in glass. Wow. We went to Santini's grave. Mm-hmm. And um, as a bonus, I had just recently found, took me six months, Antoine Pesiod's grave. Okay. And I took them there as a surprise. I said, don't tell anybody. And so we did this little thing. So I was already researching and Chris McMillan said, "There's there's a page, um, there's a web page out there that talks about family that's still living."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went back and I looked at all my saved bookmarks that I had for Santini, and sure enough, I went, "Okay, this is the page he was talking about." And I just started. I got this one name, and I just started searching. I mean. You know, I grew up without the internet like you. Mm -hmm. And so every day, my fingers touch my laptop. It's like, it's magical to me. Right,
0: right. What you can find. Oh, my God. Uh Because I
1: used to spend my days in a library, you know. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, so magical. And so I just, I probably had to call 50 people, not knowing where this Diana lived. Her name's Diana. And finally, you know, I said, you make the phone calls. Right. You got to do the work. <laughs> right. You're like, right. hi, this is going to be a really weird question, but, you know, and finally I found her. And she goes, well, yes, that's my grandfather. She goes, I have s- photographs if you'd like me to scan it. And um, I sent you those photographs right. and a photograph of her. and, right. and She visited here in 2000. Where does she live? She lives up, I believe it's Connecticut. Oh. Okay. In the north, yeah. All right. I have to double check. It's one of the, you know, up there. But it's not Louisiana. No. Yeah. And um, anyway, and I started speaking with her, and the more emails back and forth, well, I also have this, (laughs) and then the cherry on top of the cake. Oh, now, here I have the photograph of Mm -hmm. him, which is great. Mm A couple of them, actually. And... But then after he died, they did an inventory of his bars. So Chris McMillan told me his, he owned a few bars on Gravier between... Um, what are the two streets in between? I can't think of them right now. Well, One of them has to be St. Charles because his bar was there anyway. She goes, I have the inventory after he died of his bars. And I'm like, what? She oh. goes, I'll scan them and send them to you. And she scanned them and sent them to me in PDF. And it's it's so fascinating to look at this beautiful handwriting, of first course. of all. Yes. You know, yes. the 18. Oh, my gosh. And then listing. I mean, I did the numbers on how much the whole thing cost. And he had... I think it was like in today's money, almost $100,000 worth of wine and booze. And I think that's what it was. Wow. But it's really fascinating. That is really, yeah. really
0: interesting. So I, w- I want to sort of let people know who Chris McMillan is because oh, you've yeah. mentioned him a couple of times. <laughs> so I I will admit <laughs> that he and I wrote a book together, <laughs> uh, Lift Your Spirits, which is Less history and more, well, it's, it's, it's cultural history. It's l- less history about individual cocktails or anything like that, but yours is very much that, which is really exciting, your book. Um, but Chris also has a bar here in New Orleans called Revel, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a terrific bar. And if you ever want anyone to recite poetry about the, the mint julep, you just get Chris
1: started. <laughs> Chris is known for his mint julep and his giant mallet. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: Exactly. So um those are that that's who Chris McMillan is, and it's somebody that you should definitely visit when you come to New Orleans. So go on. but he's also an amateur historian and he collects all kinds of old menus and other paraphernalia, postcards of old bars and hotels yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: he's f- I would I would say he's probably the number one cocktail historian in New Orleans. I mean, he has a, a, an extreme fascination with it. Yes. And um I have the things that I have found, I'll, you know, used to get a hold of him and say, I found this. What do you think about this? Whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, one day I ran into him at the Ace Mary's Ace Hardware in uh, the French the Quarter on, on, on Rampart, Rampart Street. Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I said, you know what this building is? And I said, uh, I, was, I was doing history on Ramos, and I found out that's where he lived. That was his house. Whoa! Yeah, and i had i had wa- i had walked in i walked in there and i told the manager this was like back in i don't know seven years ago, and i said hey do you know this is where um, Ramos who invented the Ramos gin fizz this is was his house he goes oh i have a picture of this house in the in the nineteen twenties i'll go get it it's my office he comes out it's not it's f- It's framed, poster-sized, that he took off his wall and walked out and showed it to me. And I'm like, what? I thought he was just going to hand me a little picture. Sure. (laughs) I'm like, he goes, yeah, this is what it looked like in the 20s. See this parking lot? This was his garden. And he has a photograph the, over there right now. Wow. So I took a I took a photo of the photo. Uh huh. And so that was really fascinating. But Chris McMillan already knew, though. He goes, "Yes, but let's go upstairs. Let's see if he'll let us go in the back rooms upstairs because those are the original floors. <gasps> oh, and wow. the original doors behind the curtain where they kind of use as a storage area. And those are floors there. Ramos actually walked on and and opened and everything. Anyway." Um, I got off. I got off track again, and I, I think I, I forget what I was talking about, but probably Joseph Santini. I can't remember now. Well, it doesn't yeah. make any difference. We've but, been <laughs> having a
0: good time talking. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. But Chris, follow and put. Path. I was talking
1: about Chris. So things I'll run past. Yeah, you know, run past him. So,
0: and he's pretty rigorous about wanting things to be accurate.
1: Yes, he is, and he has. He has his opinions, and this is what i um, for me, I just find it fascinating for me, where there's a lot of people that take it really, really serious, but I've always had a fascination in my book that you'll see. Basically, that book is probably almost 40 years of a collection of things. Sadly, they cut 10 chapters and 75,000 words. But it's okay, you know. Every author, you never have any power once you go through a publisher. You have to do what they say. But in that book, I've always been fascinated. If you thumb through it with time, with timelines, yeah, timelines Mm -hmm. and top ten lists, yes, because I can wrap my head around that. For me personally, Uh oh, I see. This was going on, so now that's why. That happened and blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Chris McMillan, I would say as far as locally, he has really um, established himself as a, a a local historian, and he has he has thing he has things that uh yeah I I don't think he has shared with anyone, and I'm like you need to document this stuff, especially mm-hmm. me researching. And I'm finding people that have already died. So I'm having to go by with Santini and even um, Walter Bergeron's grandson. They know very little about him as well is what I'm learning. Mm. So I can only go by what i can find but finding the photographs and finding family that has photographs that's just fascinating Well, that
0: really makes somebody a person yeah and in a way that's Mm -hmm. just not just an idea of a person it's like this is a real person and Mm -hmm. what they look like whether they're dapper whether they're kind of rough looking or whatever all of those things really are important and figuring out why they did what they did Mm -hmm. so I totally understand the photograph really really makes a difference and of course knowing the place the place also I think is helpful and so what's going to happen with your information about the Vieux Carre and also about Santini? (sighs)
1: Well, I'm hoping with the Santini information, I I spoke with Diana and she gave me permission to give it to you. Yes. And hopefully some of that, or or at least a photograph can go up of him up on, you know, and you have a little Brandy Crusta section? We do.
0: We have one that we've created for people to see what it looked like because, you know, he Mm -hmm. used the whole... Lemon peel. Mm-hmm. And so people are not just used to little twists nowadays. Mm-hmm. But to see that whole lemon peel in the glass. And so to be able to put the photograph with that would just be terrific. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then um, I um, heard back from the general manager of the Hotel Monteleone. I got um, head bartender over there, Marvin, involved. Uh-huh. And I said, look, we should have, we should you know help me push this to do a boob care day. Uh-huh. And so as far as I know, we think Walter was born in November, so they're thinking about a November starting a boob care day. Well, on,
0: we'll certainly publicize it. That's think? I think it's a wonderful idea. It would
1: be so great if that would be an annual thing, mm-hmm. you know, have boob care day and actually have Walter then actually have his grandson, get this, his grandson, I think he he turned 70 this year, but he tended bar like for, I think, 40 years, he told me.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah,
1: at um, Witt's Inn, which is two doors down from Revel. Yeah, i never been there, wit's in, but he was a bartender. Oh,
0: my gosh. Well, yeah. then he should definitely be involved. Yeah. And then everybody should wear
1: a derby hat and wear a bow tie. I <laughs> know, <laughs> that, well, that would be great. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm not... 2020 is actually when I was going to leave New Orleans, and I was going to... Um, you know, it'd be one day I'll I'll take off, but I would like to leave something. And you know what I mean. Well, I've been here, like wow, you know, well. I got to find a photo of Walter. And mm-hmm.
0: yeah, well, that no, you've definitely made a mark. First of all, all the things you talk about in your book, but also if we can have a little piece of Santini in the museum in the form of a mm-hmm. photo, and if you are leaving this legacy of. Um, the Vieux Carre Day. Uh, that would be just I a know. really fabulous legacy.
1: That would be yeah. awesome. Yes. And you yeah. certainly
0: should be here for the first one. Oh, I, yes, of can't course. leave before that.
1: <laughs> 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 I'll probably have to stay. I was going to take off in a small RV and uh-huh. make America my backyard. That was my whole plan. And I was my last name's Charming, so I was calling. Instead of calling it my retirement years because I just turned 60 Mm -hmm. or my golden years or whatever, I wanted to call it um, Charming Ever After. And so that's what I was going to call it and take off. But look, 8 billion people's lives were disrupted last year, I think. (laughs) So I'll probably have to stay and build up my... um, I've been living off my savings, you know, yeah. from that. And so every but everybody has their story. But it would be wonderful if that the Curry. But they 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 seem receptive to it. And uh, November is a good, um, you know, with COVID now you, we don't know, you know, how that's going to play out. Hopefully, we all think want it to end soon. But November is a good yes target by that time. You
0: know. We would hope that most people are vaccinated. And um, even if we're still doing some precautions, we'll be allowed, you know, be able to go to bars and all of that sort of Mm -hmm. thing again freely. Um, Yeah. So are are friends of yours who are bartenders
1: Are is everybody
0: working or are people just kind of? No,
1: there's a, a co- there's some friends that and they're only working like one shift or two shifts but you know I I live 20 steps from Bourbon Street and I I uh, avoid it because it's just, it's <laughs> You know, it's it's really not locals down there. It's tourists thinking right. that we're open. Right. And they're not wearing masks. Right. And they're acting crazy. Yeah. And they got viral videos going where they accidentally drop their drink on Bourbon Street and get down on their stomach and lick it up. Did you see that one? I did. Oh, it's, it's just, just disgusting. But yeah. they th- I know they want to get out, and I know they want to get away. Everybody feels that way. But they think we're open. And it's um yeah.
0: Well, it, the the problem is that it's not inside. Right. So it's all, you know, it's all on the street. All on the street. And yeah. then how do
1: you can control that? It's like I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But I I don't go out. I see them, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, right? I yeah. I can't. You know, right. I don't want. You know, right? That's my choice. They're, everyone has their um. Everyone, as we learned, we <laughs> everyone has their feelings. Right. <laughs> right, About the whole COVID and the mask and everything, and right. So
0: right. Well, I'm I'm I really take precautions, and I have I have grandchildren that I want to see, mm-hmm. and so I try to be as careful as really possible because um, I don't want them to be afraid of me because I'm out there being crazy and Mm -hmm. I don't want them also to be worried that they're going to give something to me because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm over 70. So, um, I'm in that risk group, you know? And so I don't want them to be worried about me either.
1: Are your grandchildren, are they going to school? What what are they doing? One is in school
0: and one is in nursery and they are going. Oh, wow. And, um, they all wear they wear masks and all that sort of thing but they're they're actually physically in school okay and um uh but you know it, in some ways it, even though i don't think the school is as robust in terms of the number of people or whatever as it was mm-hmm. it does keep them from feeling isolated and mm-hmm. not being able to see their friends or whatever yeah so um I, it's
1: tough. Uh, it is hard. Just yeah. imagine. Could you imagine you having your? How many children did you have? Two. If imagine having your children during COVID and like, oh my god. Oh, no, no, yeah, it, it would be really hard. Re- really, really hard. Really, really tough. Yeah, I know. I feel. Um, yeah, my heart uh, goes out to everybody. Yes. Yes. Really and I, am. I feel really. very fortunate as well. You know, and I, I feel oh, that my, way too. Oh my yes. goodness, so grateful and fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we here at the museum have been open, definitely not having the number of visitors that we usually have. Plus, we don't have the parties and all the other fun things that we used to do. But at least we are open. And it's helping us to do more things online, like this podcast Mm -hmm. and other things that we really hadn't been doing before. And now we'll continue to do them. So I try to look at the positive side Mm -hmm. of it as much as possible. But it's, it's awful to have lost all those people and just having this isolation that so many people have to endure. Yeah, I agree. But we can always lift a glass <laughs> <laughs> with Zoom cocktail parties and all of those kinds of things. They're not exactly the same, but at least people are making attempts to uh, to have social contact if they possibly can. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think there was probably a lot of home
0: bartending
1: <laughs> yes. in the
0: last year. I think so, mm-hmm. and probably people buying books about. Um, you know, with recipes mm-hmm. for uh, for cocktails that they would have gone to a bar to have mm-hmm. before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good things sometimes happen. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, I think the uh, most popular one for 2020 was what is her name who made the the giant Cosmopolitan? Ina, Ina, Ga- uh, um, uh, Ina,
0: uh, Ina, Ina, Ina Ina Garner. Garden. Ina Ina Garden. Yeah, she
1: did that giant Cosmopolitan. Right. That's right. hilarious. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if you know I've been fo- I've been doing following the uh, researching the Cosmopolitan for a long time. Okay, a really deep dive. Uh huh. And um, I actually keep a current page on my website, MissCharming dot com, and at the top of Cosmopolitan, I keep it um, updated. But I've got it going back to nineteen seventy five. The cool thing about the Cosmopolitan is that these people are alive, and so I. I dug up co-workers, managers, oh, wow. chefs, bartenders, waiters, and um yeah, and it took a while to, but I mean all these people that claim the cosmopolitan, I said, Okay, I'm gonna check your sources and see how the pieces of the puzzle match up and and the cool thing, I haven't ran across anyone that has uh, been deceased, so it's it's kind of exciting to be able to research that. Takes them a minute. Hey, let me ask you a question from forty years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it takes them a minute, and um, sometimes they think of stuff in the shower, and they you still They'll get you know, mm-hmm, yeah, they still get back to me. Oh, I remember this, and and um, yeah. The the read is intense though on the on the webpage because I think it's I put a read time up there and it's Uh up to sixty seven minutes.
0: Oh my gosh. That's
1: how much research I've done on the cosmopolitan cocktail. (laughs) Whoa, that's amazing. But I keep an updated thing and that's why I know about that big cosmopolitan that That that, Ina Garden did. Yeah, that she did. That's hilarious. (laughs) You know, there's one thing that New Orleans needs. They haven't had a real popular cocktail come out of this A new city. cocktail mm-hmm. i mean 84 was the hand grenade before that in the what early 40s was the hurricane, hurricane. Mm-hmm. the 90s we had uh the frozen irish coffee that started at molly's huh but it's about time for, wouldn't that be fascinating? Are you going to invent it? Oh, my God. That would be a dream. I doubt that would ever happen. How do, You know, for a cocktail to, like, to really oh, catch on. A, yeah. Like if you and I went around the world uh-huh. with a microphone on the sidewalk, and if we said, name a, cock- a New Orleans cocktail, they're going to say Hurricane. right. Right, that's
0: probably number one.
1: That's uh, yeah, anywhere that's gonna. And if you say name a bar in New Orleans, they're gonna say Pat O'Brien's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got they've got that, but you know, they got the Bourbon Street drinks. They have that Resurrection, and they just they got that one called a Fish Bowl, right? And, right. But there hasn't really been anything, not even like any crafty or anything. Historic, or did I miss it? Did no, I miss? No, I don't no. think so. I think it's it's due. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that
0: that's what we should that's what we should work on.
1: <laughs> I think there should be, and
0: maybe maybe it's a COVID cocktail that uh, that people can make at home, and then bartenders will pick it up. Yeah. Um. So that instead of coming from a bar specifically. It's just the one that we recommend that people make for themselves and then people will keep drinking it.
1: Yeah, and then they they can think back, say like fifty years from now and then Yeah, this drink came it came out of COVID right. during that time. Exactly. And yeah, there definitely needs to be something. You gotta get a sponsor though, you know, you have to get someone involved. Like for example, that's how the Blue Hawaii got started. Uh-huh. Um Harry Yee. He's 102 years old. Oh my gosh! He invented the um, Blue Hawaii in 1957 because Bowles came out with Blue Curacao mm-hmm. and they asked him to make a um, a drink, a drink. And this is him. I call him on his birthday every day. And he's holding my book. Oh. And he actually autographed me a picture. Ah, and his, that's so true. His terrific. daughter sent hundred and two years old. That's Look amazing. That's cool to make connection with him. That is, yes. Um and he tended bar all the way up through his eighties. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. But that's what we need. We need somebody to come up and we need to we need, we need a New Orleans that's right for this century that's right no there hasn't been one that would be pretty exciting I know some people have gotten some uh I think Chris Hanna had a couple of drinks from the French 75 bar Mm -hmm. but nothing that it just took the general public is going to go oh my god you got to have a right right you know that's (laughs) something to think about it's overdue I think
0: we need it I think so too I definitely agree well, Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me
1: today. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it's been great to meet you. I've heard so much about you, and uh-huh. I, I don't think I've ever met you in person. I don't person. think we've met yeah. in person before. No, <laughs> I think we've been great. in the same rooms, but we haven't spoken. Yeah. But it's, it's great to see you yes. with your, your little red glasses and my orange glasses. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's perfect. We
0: can be glasses <laughs> twins.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Thank you thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.